You have just entered the Liberty Lighthouse, where we cut through the fog of politics with common sense and logic. Coming to you from Pennsylvania, the state of independence. Here he is, author of the book, Progress, Really? U.S. Navy veteran and your host, Peter Serafine. Welcome to the Liberty Lighthouse, my fellow patriots and freedom fighters. I am Peter Serafine, your host. This week, I have a whole lot to say, and a lot of it is, well, I, I have a s- sneaky suspicion that I'm going to upset some people, uh, mostly people on the left side of the political spectrum that probably aren't listening to this show anyway. Those that do listen, um, I hope I don't offend you too much, but this is how I see the world, and it's my show, so I'm going to say it how I, w- I see it, and you can either like it or don't, and that's... Uh, no, that's free speech. That's the First Amendment. That's what makes us Americans, as I say often in this show. I'm going to talk about some facts that our, our progressive friends just well, apparently just want to ignore for some reason or another. Uh, I'm going to talk about some Orwellian ministry of truth and ministry of love and, well, basically 1984 coming to life right before our eyes. I, uh, and, well... I don't know. Why don't we just uh, jump in, get started, and then we'll talk about uh, some all this fun and, and fabulous stuff. So uh, let's get her done. With your Liberty Lighthouse Keeper, your beacon of common sense, your wiki, if you will, Peter Seraphine. We urge you to join the conversation by calling 64 My Rights. That's 646 974 4487. And sign up to be a member at liberty lighthouse.com. Bump. That's right. Call or text. Uh, I love your messages. Love your comments. Please, you know, tell me what you think. So this uh, first segment is going to be me yapping about uh, Orwell and the Orwellian thought police and, uh, well, a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on in our world and facts that are being ignored. But first, I have to introduce you to uh, this week's sponsor. Your local police station is now hiring police officers. Are you interested in becoming part of the occupation with one of the highest suicide rates of any profession? If you choose not to kill yourself, you'll be happy to know that the average life expectancy of a police officer is only 57. Does a divorce rate of almost certainty sound great to you? Well then, once you go through an invasive and detailed background check, physiological examination, physical examination, fitness test, written test, and a six-month-long, often-live-in, boot-camp-style academy, you'll be released to the streets where uncertainty and possible death wait around every corner. Before your first tour of duty, you can look forward to being issued used and often-expired body armor that may or may not fit well, but will probably stop a bullet. A used firearm, sometimes 20 years old or older, with no maintenance record, will be what you depend on for your life. Rest assured that more often than not, your equipment will be whatever was cheapest. You will be trained to the state minimum standards, and sometimes you'll go your entire career without getting a refresher on some of the courses that you had in the academy. But that's not all! How would you like to work six days on and get two days off? Rotate to midnights every two weeks. Weekends and holidays are required every year mandatory overtime often with no notice court 
on your days off. Natural disaster? Blizzard? Pandemic? Forget your family, your home, and your personal safety and get to work, you slacker! Morning and afternoon court on your midnight rotation? Who needs sleep anyway? You'll have a split second to make a choice, but don't fear! The Monday morning quarterbacks and Facebook lawyers will be sure to have your back to correct you and how they would have had the situation better. Eating in a restaurant? Make sure to request that they hold the split and shards of glass and even rat poison. Dated equipment? Buy the rusty old locker full. Risk everything for people who hate you. Even if you're killed, the lawyers will come after your estate and leave your wife and kids in the gutter. But wait, act now, and you'll also get assaulted and injured at a rate three times higher than any other profession. Be sent into pandemic hotspot areas with no training and no equipment. Dead bodies, yeah, you get to touch and smell them too. Be careful of those poppers and leakers. Rape victims, children beaten and molested, you get to see all of their misery. Arrest someone's kid for doing wrong? Be prepared to get berated on how petty and racist and worthless you are. Now you're asking, how can this get any better? For a limited time, we're also throwing in family and friends exiting your life forever. The family and friends who choose to stick around will be sure to bring up that one cop at every fun family event. Criminals and scumbags alike will use you to use the system. Use promo code OINK and we'll include these bonuses. Threats to your family with murder and rape. Pay cuts and frozen salaries. PTSD from decades of horrors like burned children, rotting corpses, getting shot at, violent attacks from the very people who call you for help. Racist? Well, your background check made sure you weren't. But as soon as you don that uniform, you become Blue Hitler. And best of all, if you're selfless enough to do this thankless job, you'll forever be in the debt and gratitude of millions of great Americans who are the silent majority who support our men and women in blue. Hold that line. Stay safe. And God bless you. That's right. God bless the men and women in blue. Love our police force. And of course, like any large group of people, there are bad people in the group. It just happens. Uh, the, the cop who killed George Floyd is obviously one of those bad people. But that does not mean that all cops are bad. Um, saying that because there are a few bad people in the police force that all cops are bad is, is just like saying, you know, just because that one black guy robbed at store that all black people are crooks. So, you know, grouping all the cops together is, is it's the exact same thing as racism. But what I really want to talk about today is the fact that progressives hate our country. That's, that's all there is to it. Progressives hate America. Now, I do believe that the progressive movement has done, well, kind of like I, I've said about the government before. You know, the government is, has grown to be its own living, living entity that goes beyond the people that work in the government. And I think the progressive movement is, is much the same way. Um, I say that progressives hate our country, and I don't mean that on an individual, every progressive person hates our country. The progressive movement hates our company, country, and the, the movement has, has grown beyond the people within it. And, well, some of the evidence of this is, you know, the tearing down of monuments and statues 
uh, in, indiscriminately tearing down monuments and statues. Uh, they're not tearing down slave owner statues exclusively or Civil War statues of Confederates exclusively. They're also tearing down Union statues and statues of you know abolitionists and all of the people that were on the right side of history. Um, it's not about what they say it's about anymore. Now it's, it's about hating America. It has become the Ministry of Truth from George Orwell's 1984. Uh, the Ministry of Truth being, you know, the government agency that rewrote history, changed what the headlines were in the newspapers and made people disappear and, and basically rewrote history the way they wanted it to be. And why would you want to erase the history of the American Civil War? Well, I don't know. There's a, the only reason I can think of is that for some reason you want another Civil War. You have to erase the history and the memory of the first one before you can start another one. Because people still remember that 600,000 people, 600,000 Americans died in the first civil war. Now, that brings me to another thing. You know, that's that's my answer to reparations. Every time anybody says something about reparations, I say uh, the 600,000 Americans, mostly white, who died during the civil war, which ultimately ended with your freedom, kind of sounds like reparations to me. The other argument against reparations is slavery isn't that simple. It wasn't white people and black people, and you were either a white person, and therefore you profited from slavery, or you were a black person, and therefore you were a slave. The white slave traders that went to Africa and got these slaves bought these slaves from black people who had captured them and enslaved them and then sold them to the white people who brought them here. So it was black people catching other black people. It was black people making slaves of other black people. And then the white people just taking advantage of the situation and bringing them here, bringing them to the new world, so to speak. And it wasn't just white people that owned slaves. The first documented court case in the United States, or back then in the British colonies, that had anything to do with slavery was a black man who owned Black slaves was suing to keep them because they had supposedly finished their obligated, you know, indentured servitude and he didn't think that they had. And, oh, by the way, he won that case. So that black man got to keep his black slaves. And not only was it not just black and white as to who is or was, who was a slave or who was a slave owner or a master, um, there's also families like mine. My family didn't come to the United States until 1920 or 1912 or something like that. Anyway, well after slavery. My family was still in Europe until well after slavery. So what did I have to do with slavery in America? Why should I have to pay reparations? So this is not a cut and dry, black and white, down the middle line. And to be quite honest, I'm really annoyed that it keeps coming up because this is the greatest country, the freest nation on the planet. This is the only country 
in the history of the world that has been able to survive for over 200 years based on individual personal freedoms. The United States was the third Western, quote, civilized country to end slavery on the planet. The third, not the last, the third. And you know what? Slavery is still legal in many countries across this this planet now. As a matter of fact, it is estimated that there are 40 million slaves right now. That's from theguardian.com if you want to look it up. Not exactly a right-wing organization. And by comparison, from the 15th to the 19th century, there were about 13 million people enslaved in slavery. So now there are 40 million. So there are far more people enslaved right now than ever were when America had slaves. But were the evil empire founded on slavery, according to the 1619 Project? And it's not always been black and white as far as color either. Like I said, it's often blacks who capture and enslave other blacks. In, the, in, the, in Ghana and Libya, where you can go to an open-air slave market right now, a single slave can profit the slave's trader anywhere from a few thousand to a few hundred thousand dollars per slave. That's right now. Those, those are open-air slave markets that exist right now. What about the, the Christians and the Jews that, were, that have been and still are slaves in the Muslim world? The Muslim masters in the, in the Middle East? What about the, the Uyghur and Chinese, the, the Uyghur Chinese that are slave to the Hans Chinese? And then, of course, there's the, the black slaves to black masters in Africa right now today. And this actually all brings me to the, the, one of the newest segments of the Liberty Lighthouse, and I'm calling it Stupid Things Politicians Say. Earlier today in Washington, D.C., another career politician said something really, really stupid. The United States didn't inherit slavery from anybody. We created it. It got created by the Virginia General Assembly and the legislatures of other states. It got created by the court systems in colonial America and sense that enforced fugitive slave laws. It was, we created it. And we created it and maintained it over centuries. Okay, now that's just stupid on so many levels. So let's dissect it for a minute. First off, well, we, uh, the United States didn't exist until 1776. Prior to that, we were colonies of the British Empire. And according to the 1619 Project, the slaves that arrived in Virginia that, that Senator Tim Kaine here referred to arrived in 1619, over a hundred years before we were the United States. But that's our fault. Not only that, but the American Indians that were obviously here before the white man got here from Europe, they would enslave the losers of battles. So they enslaved each other. And that was before we got here. So this whole we didn't inherit slavery from anyone is BS. 
Senator Tim Kaine. We inherited it from the British Empire. We inherited it from the American Indians that were here when we got here. We inherited it from the beginning of humankind. Slaves have existed since the beginning of man, and I am sick and tired of the progressive movement trying to make it look like the United States created slavery. And that's what he, where Senator Tim used those words. He specifically said that we created it. We didn't create it. He could have used better words, but he wants people to think that America invented slavery. He could have said we imported it. That would have been a heck of a lot more accurate, but no. And this wasn't some off-the-cuff thing that, you know, he just blurted those words out. This was a written speech. So that's just bad words, bad optics, and just obvious bold-faced lies in order to try to make people think that we're the worst country in the world. You want to talk about you know, everybody who calls Trump a Nazi because, oh my God, he's such a Nazi. You know, let's talk Nazis for a minute. Nazi in the world today, in the world that you and I live in. I mentioned the Uyghur Chinese a little while ago, right? So the Uyghurs are a, uh, an ethnically Muslim group on the Western edge of China. Well, the Chinese, the Han Chinese, the ruling genetic, I don't know, the ruling class of Chinese, I guess, they have forced millions of Uyghurs to take DNA tests. They have a covert network of concentration slash re-education camps where they force Uyghur Chinese to live in these camps. It's estimated that there are a million Uyghurs in these camps right now. And while these Uyghurs are in there, the, the women, well, there, there's an awful lot of allegations of the female Uyghurs being raped by the Han Chinese in order to produce Han offspring and break the Uyghur line. This isn't some alt-right conspiracy. This is not some, some thing that you know people are making up to make the Chinese look bad. There are people in 26 different countries who have lost relatives that have just disappeared out of the Xinjiang uh, region of China, which is where the Uyghurs come from. 20 people in 26 countries have loved ones that have just freaking disappeared. But oh, the Chinese are just good people, according to uh, Mr. Joe Biden. He wants to make everything better with the Chinese and go back to normal with them. But Trump's a Nazi because he says mean things. There are, th this is real Nazism. You know, concentration camps, forced systematic rape. That's real Nazism. Mr. Oh my God, my feelings are hurt. How about LGBTQ rights? Oh my God, America is so mean. We don't care about trans people. LGBTQ people were so vilified here in the United States. Really? Do you honestly believe that? Because if you do, you haven't ever looked outside of your own hole. Throughout this world, there are 
gay and lesbian people who are literally thrown off buildings, beaten, stoned to death, acid thrown on their faces to disfigure them. That doesn't happen in America. How about sexism? All you women's rights people. You know, in the Middle East, there are countries where if you walk outside your house without your headscarf on, you'll spend 30 years in jail. That doesn't happen here in America, does it? This is the greatest country in the world. And the fact that you can have these idiotic opinions and spew them in public and not be beaten or jailed is proof of that. You know, even in the nice civilized Western world, we're still the best country on the planet. We still have the most freedoms everywhere. Even in the United Kingdom, there are people that are in jail for Facebook posts saying things that the government doesn't like. Is America perfect? Of course not. But damn it, we are the closest to a perfect nation that has ever blessed this planet. And we need to start acting like that and working to fix the places where we're not perfect. The First Amendment makes us Americans, and I've said that many, many times on this show. The Second Amendment keeps us Americans. The First Amendment makes us Americans because free speech is freedom. But we, here in this world, we've got this progressive movement that has taken over. It's taken over the people within it. It's, it's morphed into its own mob rule mentality movement where all of a sudden free speech doesn't exist unless your speech is their speech. You, you know, six months ago, Oh, you can't say mean things. Hate speech. Oh, you can't have hate speech. Hate speech is mean. But now, silence is violence is the new thing. So wait, so basically what you are trying to tell me is that I can't say anything that you don't like, but I have to say something because silence is violence. So you're leaving me no option but to say what you like. That's not free speech. That is the Orwellian thought police. You tearing down statues and vandalizing monuments, well, that's the Ministry of Truth trying to change our history. And you are the Orwellian thought police. Now, guess what comes next? Read the book, 1984 by George Orwell. Everybody needs to read it because the next and the most powerful ministry in the book is the Ministry of Love which is anything but love. The ministry of love is where they send you when you don't conform to what they think you should be like so that they can re-educate you and turn you back into a proper progressive citizen. The first progressive movement in this country, 120, 140 years ago, the turn of the 19th, the end of the 19th into the 20th century, that progressive movement, the one that gave us the 16th and 17th amendments, income tax and uh, the Federal Reserve and the tail end of that also gave us prohibition. You know what else it gave us? It gave us Margaret Sanger and eugenics, forced abortions and sterilization of anybody that she and her group thought was an undesirable human being. What else that first progressive movement gave us? 
It gave us a, the rise of the KKK to a size and strength greater than it ever was. Partly because of our progressive president at the time, Woodrow Wilson, decided to, to play the birth of a nation in the White House. The first movie ever shown inside the White House was a birth of a nation about the Ku Klux Klan. Oh, but he was a progressive. That was okay. The first progressive movement divided we the people almost as much as slavery had done. And now the second progressive movement is doing the exact same thing, dividing we the people. But it's, t- it's break time. Uh, Bill Cushing, author, poet, uh, will be here in the second half. Um, so stick around. It'll be a lot more calm. I promise. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse. Join the conversation now. Just call 64-MY-RIGHTS. That's 646-974-4487. Let me tell you why I chose Anchor to host my podcast. First, it's free. It's one of the few hosts I found that really is free. They have all the tools that you need. You can make your podcast on a computer, or you can download their free app and make edits and uploads straight from your phone. So, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, I say download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You're listening to the Liberty Lighthouse Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around through the break. And as promised, I have uh, professor, author, and poet Bill Cushing, the first ever uh, repeat guest to the Liberty Lighthouse here on the line with me. Say hi, Bill. Ah, thanks for having me back there. Well, I warned our guests, our, our listeners, that uh, you had written an article regarding flag burning, and I was going to have you on last week, but then we tried last week, had those technical difficulties, couldn't make it work. Yeah. So now, technical difficulties finished. Here you are. Yeah, yeah, good to be here, too. And, and yeah, on the heels of Flag Day, it's a good day to do it. I was just going to bring that up, too. The, the uh, flag-burning article just a few days after Flag Day uh, that yeah. uh, seems appropriate. Now, yeah. my stance on flag-burning has always been that, you know, the Supreme Court says it's legal, so I will support and defend your right to do it. However, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure everybody that you ever meet knows that you did it. And I will do everything I can to make sure that you never hold a public office. Yeah. Well, and that's, of course, that's the tricky thing about free speech. It does work in more than one direction. So while you're free to express your displeasure with the country by burning the flag, I am also free to express my displeasure with your displeasure, so to speak. <laughs> you know, bring attention to that. So, uh, you know, that that's a good stance. Mine is more rooted in, and, and uh, you know, having, um, yeah, you read the article, and, and uh, it, it's rooted in the idea as a lit major and a lit teacher. Is that, okay, what's a symbol? A symbol is something that represents, you know, it is what it is, and it also represents something greater than itself. So, to me, actually, by allowing people to burn the flag, it only proves that free speech does exist. So it's almost a self-defeating act. If you think you're going to upset me with it, eh, as long as you bought it, uh, you know, now if you take somebody else's flag and do it, now we got a problem. Because there are, of course, property rights, which, of course, is another freedom we're losing like crazy. 
But yeah, mine is always rooted in that sort of interpretation of what a symbol is. And to me, the United States is supposed to symbolize freedom and liberty. So with that being said, sure, go ahead and burn it. But the fact that you are free to burn it, which does not happen in many other countries, only verifies my position that you have freedom. So it's almost why I say a self-defeating action. I agree. If you if you think that uh, you're living in a you know Nazi police state or something like that, but but you're free to walk down the street burning the country's flag, uh, you're a moron. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and and, and yeah, that's here again. Well, it, it's I, I, you might have heard the old joke about when Gorbachev and Reagan met and. Reagan said, well, you know, in our country, you are free, that people are free to, you know, demonstrate in the streets and, and say bad things about me. And Gorbachev says, well, they have that same freedom here. They can say anything bad about you that they please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's one of the things that's important is that that First Amendment is a really big thing with me. Being able to say, whatever you wish. But of course, like you say, you know, be you, you are then responsible for what comes out of your mouth. So. Right. And with, with the flag, uh, like having been just flag day uh, last, this past weekend. And mm-hmm. I, I do speeches here at the Liberty lighthouse on all the patriotic holidays. I don't do a regular mm-hmm. full blown episode of the show. I, I yeah. do a you know eight or 10 minute speech. And I was yeah. really involved with the American Legion for a lot of years, and and their oh, okay. recommended speeches are usually pretty good. So I generally use theirs because I'm I don't consider myself good enough writer to sit down and <laughs> to write a ten minute speech. It'll take me three months, and yeah. you know there's way too many patriotic yeah. holidays for me to be doing that all the time. <laughs> um, and you got a template anyway, so why right. not? <laughs> so one of the things that almost every Flag Day speech says, and, and this goes back to when I was the county commander and the post commander, and and I would preside over the uh, Flag Day ceremonies where, where the American mm-hmm. Legion would collect torn, torn and, and tattered flags and, and dispose of them properly. Yeah. 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 Almost every Flag Day speech makes reference to our flag is not the tattered bit of dyed gauze or the, mm-hmm. the shiny, silky banner that it is made from. Our flag is all of the men and women who died to make that flag mm-hmm. and, and the symbology behind it. Obviously, it's a cloth. You know, I have one out yeah. in front of my house. It's on yeah. a 30-foot flagpole or something like that, but it's just cloth. But I dug that hole and poured that concrete and raised that flagpole mm-hmm. and put that flag up there because it's also more than cloth. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get into the symbolism of it. Exactly. So yeah. this, you know, the idea of burning it, 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 it really makes me mad. But, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it just proves that we are a free country, and you can do that. Yeah, yeah. Which I always love to m- mention that to people, and when they get into these kinds of arguments, well, what country would you rather pattern us after? Uh, <laughs> you might want to go check their laws out a little more carefully before you start praising them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, that's, you know, well, and I think we talked about this last time, it was like, you know, the First Amendment was listed first because the founders understood the importance of, 
you know, free exchange of ideas, no matter how bad you might find them. And of course, the Second Amendment was put in second to just back up the first in case there's a problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maintaining that. But, uh, but yeah, the First Amendment to me, and obviously as a writer, I do have a, a, a prejudice toward that one. But, uh, you know, I think, look, you know, you're free to say whatever you wish, and, and then I'm free to point out. And that's, of course, one of the big things I've always said about the, the beauty of free speech is it uh, allows idiots to much more efficiently identify themselves. Saves me a lot of work and trouble of finding it out later. Uh, if I let you say stupid things, then okay, I can chalk it up. <laughs> okay, I have a question for you. Do you know anything about the um, the fairness doctrine in broadcasting? Oh God, yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, you know, well, of course, I have a little rule of thumb that any time a politician names a law, you can expect the results to be the opposite of whatever the name is. Right. That's kind of so, like your uh, uh, your uh, rule you mentioned last time about you know when the government says it's going to cost X, the the, the reality yeah, is yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's the that's my government math yeah formula. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the the fairness. Yeah, doctrine, when you I, think about when they did the Disclose Act a few years ago under Obama, it was anything but disclosure. Right. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the the fairness doctrine, and you know, net neutrality. Which, like, please. Well, the I'm fairness doctrine. Um, I, I spoke to a guy here. who uh, uh, Kid Kid Curry, Kim the Kid Curry. He was a, a very well known DJ um, in some uh-huh. really big markets. And I spoke to him. He wrote a book called uh, The Death of Fairness. And he actually mm-hmm. swayed my mind on that topic a little bit. And oh, I, say, yeah. I say a little bit because I don't like government regulation. I, I, I think that's pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. There's very few government regulation that I think need to exist. The fairness doctrine, um, unfortunately, has made it so that nobody is ever accountable for telling lies as news. Hmm. And the idea of putting a fairness doctrine type of thing uh, back only over broadcast, leaving cable Hmm. and satellite and internet and all of those things um, to be free. Network. I I thought that was a pretty neat idea. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and here again, it gets, just gets back to the, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, here again, the, the idea of well, whatever they say it's going to do is usually the, the exact opposite of what it ends up doing. But also, now who decides what's fair and what's not? And there you get into a real sticky wicket, uh, as they say across the pond. Right. Uh, well, but, uh, you'd, you'd have to either give well, the, only, the only way around it would you would have to give equal time to op- mm-hmm. opposing views of any controversial issue. Yeah, yeah. But again, yeah. only over broadcast. So you could still watch, you know, Fox News and CNN mm-hmm. because they're not broadcast. They're cable and satellite, yeah. whatever. But your yeah. local news would have to be fair. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't I really don't think there's a place to get fair anymore. You know, yeah, it's their free yeah. speech right to say whatever the yeah. heck they want. But they're yeah. proving that their own political agenda is more important than facts. Than facts, yeah. Yeah. I actually, and it's funny, I started as a journalism major, and I'm so glad I got way laid out of that one. Uh, because I started, I mean, I got to tell you the truth, I started losing it, 
Ah, uh, probably. When was the '94? Was the uh, the Gingrich thing, right? Yeah, that was when the Republican Revolution. Yeah, that sounds about right. That, I think that was '94, or was it '92? Seems to be '90, but but whatever year it was, the early '90s. And the thing I always remember, and at that time I was still kind of looking at maybe going into journalism, but um, I, uh, Connie Chung interviewed Newt Gingrich's mother, and this was after he had taken the speakership. And she said to the mother, she says, well, you know, what's your, what's your son's opinion of Hillary Clinton? And the mother just said, look, I think that's something you need to ask him. I don't think it's my place to say. And Chung said, well, just between us, you know, just to tell, whisper it in my ear and just be our secret. And she told her something, whatever it was. Well, of course, Chung had her mic hot and then broadcast it. And I was like, that kind of goes against every tenet of ethics that you can ever think of. And what shocked me more than that was not that Chung got, she not only didn't get fired, she started getting some plum assignments. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like, I personally, I can't stand when celebrities use their celebrity to push a political agenda. And again, well, well, yeah, yeah. free speech, they're allowed to do so. But yeah. you know what? I don't want to hear it. You're, yeah, especially if you're an actor. My God, you are yeah. paid yeah. to act. How do I know yeah. that you're not acting now just, yeah. you know, to win yeah. points or whatever? Um, yeah, you're paid to pretend you're somebody else saying something you never thought. <laughs> right. I forgot where I was going with that. I got sidetracked. Uh, yeah. Um, well, it's just the idea of being preached to by people. Oh, oh no, I remember now. I, I I saw an interview with Dolly Parton is the one that comes to mind, but I've seen this with a couple okay. of, a couple of different people. Um, somebody was interviewing Dolly Parton a while back, pushing her, trying to get a political statement out of her. Oh, really? Oh, to the point that Dolly got right. mad. And she's like, look, oh, no man. matter what I say, half of my fans won't like it. So I don't yeah. talk yeah. about that crap. Yeah, I don't understand why more celebrities don't do that. How do well, they not Michael understand Jordan's. that opening their mouth is going to piss off half of their fans? Yeah. Yeah, and when you're a when you're a, a, a an entity of commerce, you got to keep that in mind. Although it is funny because it, it, it's almost as if we're getting to a stage where businesses are doing that. It's like, we're only going to serve this ideology or that belief. And if you believe anything else, you're not welcome here, which is kind of stupid to me, but you know, hey, it's your business, I guess. So, Well, yeah, it's your it. business. Here's my thought on that matter. I'm, I'm all for open and honest and, you know, fair and all that kind of stuff here. Yeah. Allow discrimination, allow the deli down the street oh, sure. to say, no, you can't come in here unless you're Jewish, but make them put it on the front door. Yeah. If you want to have a, a store and not allow blacks in or Italians or Irish yeah. or Jews or whatever, fine. It's your store. Put it on the sign. Yeah, oh. and and it's interesting, too, because these days with the Internet and the social platforms, I mean, word would get out pretty quickly. Right. And, I'm not going to go know, to a place that, ha that has one of those signs. Yeah. And I'm, you know, a middle-aged white guy. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if if you're conducting a business on the premise that only those who agree with you should be allowed to do business, then well, okay, it's kind of stupid though. You're cutting out a certain percentage of the population right away, and what percentage that is, 
whether it's half or 30 or whatever, but it's still, that's part of the market. You're not allowing yourself by choice to not get into. But, uh, well, I mean, just to, it's weird. look at the black community. It's, it's 13% of the population of our country. Mm-hmm. So if you put up a sign that says, you know, no blacks allowed. Whites only. Yeah. 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 Whites only or whatever you say, no blacks. Well, you just cut 13% of your customers right out just because they're black. Well, then you're also going to cut out white, see it and go, you know what? I don't want to hang around with these people. That's what I, that's where exactly where I was going. I'm not going to go yeah. there either. And like I said, I'm a middle-aged white guy. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're going to, you're going to really hurt your business if you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess if you don't want to go any further than a certain percentage of the market and you're happy with that, I guess, oh, you know, more power to you, but kind of dumb to me. But, but I never understood that anyway. I, I don't know if you've, I sort of assume you, have you read T.J. O'Rourke at all? I don't all? think I have. Oh, okay. But uh, I've always loved one of his, uh, by the way, I think he is the uh, H.L. Mencken of my generation, is the way I've always <laughs> summarized him. But he once wrote something about racism and discrimination. He says, Look, give me 20 minutes with anybody, and I'll find a hundred different reasons to not like them other than skin color or where they're from. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. I don't need that to dislike people. <laughs> Nobody made me not like people. People made me not like people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. But once again, it gets back to that, that whole idea, though, is like to sit there and say, well, you can't. I mean, well, you know, words are violence, and now silence is violence, apparently, too. Right. So you can't uh, say anything, <laughs> and you can't be quiet. Yeah, you, you you better say the right thing, or you know, yeah. And it is interesting that you know you look at well, this, this Chaz or now Chop, chop. is they're called. What does it's Chop stand for? I haven't even looked that up yet. It's uh, Capitol Hill uh, occupational pro- occupation protest or oh something like God. that. I think what happened was my theory is that somebody told them what the meaning of the word autonomous actually is. And they decided, oh boy, you mean we're going to be responsible for ourselves? No, no, no. We got right. to change the name. That, that sounds like it probably was the answer. They're like, oh, they looked around. Oh, we, we don't have enough food in this six block yeah. area. Therefore, yeah. we really can't yeah. be autonomous now, can we? Yeah. <laughs> oh. but, uh, but I think it's funny because you heard about, I don't know if you heard about, the guy came in and he was preaching the Bible, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I heard and about him. shouting him down, and they're, you know, I don't think they beat him up or anything, but they sure did everything in their power to stop him from talking. And it's like, why? It, you don't believe it? Eh, just, okay, write it off. Uh, yeah, just keep walking. You know, I don't, yeah, I don't believe half of the stuff I hear anyway, so. What I find really interesting about Chaz or Chop or, Champs, yeah, or whatever, whatever the, the name is today. <laughs> um, okay, so they're protesting police primarily, and, yeah. and they set up this, you know, no police zone. But then yeah. they yeah. almost immediately turned it into the definition of a police state. Of a police, <laughs> well, the first thing they did was put up walls, right? Which I always heard didn't work. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't even made that connection yet. <laughs> yeah, and then then they do a stop and frisk, which of course is racist. Uh, <laughs> and they have the armed vigilantes walking around. Right, and guns. Then they're they going guns. to the businesses and say you got to pay a certain amount. <laughs> Wait a minute! I thought this was all the stuff you. Guys I, I've heard that, that, but I have not yet heard that 
from a verifiable oh, source. From the business itself, okay. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I, surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me either, but I can't say that that is fact yet. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah, we all did, I did see two, uh, I did see a straight guy being forced to kiss another man against his will. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> But but you know we're the heathens out here in in yeah. the rest of America. Yeah. We're we're the the horrible, mean, cruel people that mm-hmm. force yeah. them to set up this this you know whatever it is. I I don't know utopian society. Yeah. I guess I whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's, um, but anyhow, put but, a couple uh, of cameras in there, and it's Orwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, well, I mean, it, it just. But it, it really struck me. The first thing they did was put up barriers. <laughs> that, that is funny. I I hadn't even made that connection yet. I, I yeah, mean, I, I saw it, but I didn't think about it that way. That's All right. So yeah. while we're on that particular topic, let's talk about that in, yeah. a, in the terms of free speech. Obviously, it is free speech for them to gather and protest. I mean, that is the right to assemble and to air grievances. Yeah, but they're not free to take over public property and you know, then declare it's their own. In fact, that, that to me, and once again, one of the first things I thought of was, isn't that the very definition of imperialism? Uh, well, when I looked again, at it, the, the first thing I thought of was every picture you see, there's tons of vandalism. There's spray paint all over mm-hmm. buildings. Oh, yeah. So, you yeah. know, they're vandalizing private property and public property. They stole yeah. all those barricades from someplace to put up their wall. Yeah. So, like, yeah. they're, they're creating crimes in the name of free speech, which... Yeah. Which I, speech is not action, speech is speech. <laughs> well, I said a week or two ago, I'm like, the, the if you're a peaceful protester, the minute that you see violence beginning to occur in your vicinity, yeah. move your protest. Yeah, get the hell out of it, really. Yeah. Like... Um, you lose the right to protest once you start breaking the law. That, yeah. That's pretty much it. Well, and, and that's the thing. Notice what the First Amendment says. Peaceably assemble. Right. <laughs> Just assemble any damn way you please. And putting and, up armed guards behind a wall that you made, cordoning yeah. off a section of a city that you illegally occupied. Over-occupied or took over, yeah. 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 I mean, that's no. all law-breaking. What I don't yeah. understand is why in the world the mayor hasn't done something. Like, okay, I'm well, not a politician. I, I and, and here's probably why yeah. I'm not a politician. Because yeah. about <laughs> about after day two, I would have cut off yeah. all the electricity and all the power to that to that area if I had to go around with bolt cutters cutting wires. Yeah. I would well, have had absolutely. every I would have had the state police, the local police, the you know, National Guard, whoever I could get with guns. To surround the area and allow people to out, but not in. Yeah, yeah. Or you know, let people out who want to get out, and the rest of you, all right. This is what. It's funny because one of the things I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier, and and uh, we were mentioning that I don't know if you saw the New York Times editorial that was chastising Trump and saying, "Look, you should just leave these guys alone. It's none of your business. Stay out of it." And I'm thinking, you know what Trump should do is just say, okay, fine. And then when they, when the city and the state come back for money to pay for the damages, hey, I'm just sitting here minding my own business, doing what you guys wanted. So you're on your own. 
Well, they should be on the run anyway. Yeah, yeah. I had to laugh because I did see one interview with a business there that the guy was talking, and he was trying not to speak ill of the protesters or whatever you want to call them. And I had a feeling part of it was self-protection, but I also had a funny feeling that he was thinking, well, I voted for these idiots that allowed this to happen, and I can't... (laughs) I can't complain too much because this is, you know, these are the fruits of my labor, so to speak. Well, I mean, uh, it doesn't matter which idiots you vote for anymore. Nowadays, it seems like it's, it's, you know, left wing and right wing or two wings of the same bird or opposite sides of the same coin or whatever you want to say. Like, it doesn't seem to matter. Nothing significant really changes. No, no, no. And that was, you know, one of the things and. Here again, I'm a libertarian. I'm registered that way, and I tend to vote that way. And it's mostly because, you know, people are, well, you're wasting your I said, yeah, but I prefer associating with a party that its starting point is we don't trust anybody in power. <laughs> That's sort of basically even our own guys. We're not going to trust any of it. So I kind of like the simplicity of that. Uh, it's not a big long. By the way, you might get a kick out of this, and it's sort of unrelated, but I always love to do this. When I taught my critical thinking classes, I used to give them a quiz that was not graded, but it was just, let's just see how you do. And I took the opening line of each party's platform and put it out there and wiped out any reference to what the party itself was. And I said, okay, here's the, here's the statements. Here's a, you know, kind of a matching ABCD, whatever. Match the party with its state. And you know what party? This is, I love this. What party, what political party had the most right answers where they could go, oh, okay, that's this party, was the marijuana party. <laughs> and I was like, isn't it funny that the stoners can write things more clearly because the rest of these guys could be selling soap for all you know. <laughs> Well, my, my thought on Gary Johnson the last time we go around was, well, you know, a, a stoner's never started a war. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was really upset. I did vote for him, but I was really not happy with him at all because, I don't know, he, he just made too much of a joke of it, and that's fine. But if you want to win, and I, I really think the Libertarians had a good shot at, you know, cutting into maybe 10 11% of the electorate, which would have been a big help. But... I mean, you know, showing up in a T-shirt and, you know, faking the heart attack. I'm like, come on, man. Act like you want the job. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a problem with the Libertarian Party and the, the people that I yeah. know that identify as a Libertarians. And, and here's my problem. I believe along the same lines of, the liber- of Libertarians 90% of the time. Yeah. But when I bring up that 10% that I don't agree with. Yeah then I immediately they're like, well, you're not a real libertarian then. Like it's yeah, almost well, like yeah. the libertarian party eats its own and, yeah, and refuses to be taken seriously. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff, and I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that, look, you know, I hear some pretty crazy stuff about, you know, well, traffic laws are an infringement on my freedom. Yeah, but you got to have some rules if you're going to be running around and a couple of thousand pounds of metal moving at 50, 60 miles an hour. So, <laughs> yeah. I see the need for it there. Yeah. What I don't see the need for is, you know, there's a lot of stuff I don't see a need for, but 
that one, yeah, I'm, I haven't got a big problem with that. You know, Penn Jillette is probably the most famous libertarian in the country. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, he's he's almost to the anarchist point. He's like, you know, eventually yeah. we'll, we'll just get rid of everything and we'll have anarchy. But yeah. we'll all be dead by then, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and it is funny because, I here again, I used to teach Thoreau's civil disobedience. And what I love is what he says, and it's kind of off Madison said it as well, sort of was that what he say that, you know, that which governs least governs best. And then he goes on, but he goes on to say, I would rather have something that governs not at all, which a lot of people look at, oh, see, you know, he was an anarchist. But then the follow-up statement is, and when men are ready for it, that's the government they'll have. <laughs> yeah. But men because never to be an anarchist. That. Yeah. Because right. to be an anarchist, you really have to be well-behaved. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to be really well behaved, and that's never yeah. going to happen. Um, Bill, gonna happen. I don't know what happened, but we I'm snuck up. We've got like less than a minute left. Um, oh, Pisces God. poet okay. at yahoo.com, right? Yeah. Yeah. If anybody's interested to find out about my books, I can send them any information they want, reviews. And, and like I say, I'm perfectly happy to send signed copies out for a deal, such a deal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, I'll have some more stuff in the works before too long. All right, keep sending me articles. I I shall do that. And thanks so much for having me back on. And uh, you know, uh, and since I don't know when we'll talk again, that obviously, uh, if we have a college season this year, go Navy, beat Army. So very good. All right, thanks, Bill, and thanks for listening we'll to Liberty to House, everybody. Uh, until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. Thanks for listening to the Liberty Lighthouse podcast. Be sure to sign up at liberty-lighthouse.com to download Peter's free ebook from the file share page. And don't forget to call 64 my rights to leave comments for the show. That's 646-974-4487. If you enjoyed this podcast, tell a friend about Liberty Lighthouse. And wherever you listen, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated.